I need to know everything Who in the what and the where I need everything Trust me, I hear what you're saying But act like it's new what you're telling me I'm curious, George I hop in the Porsche with five and a horse I'm ready for war I'm coming for throws To turn to a ghost I need to know everything Now you be surprised at the info you get Is by letting them talk So I'm letting them talk Gotta keep quiet, maneuver in science to let them and talk up their body, another one body, that's just how it go. Hello and welcome to JK Plus One. I'm not your host, PTF. Um, I don't know what P... Oh, what's he doing? He said someone was at his door, I don't know, in, in Brooklyn. I don't know if they were fixing something or who knows with that guy. I think he's probably mad about this guest because I think Pete thought he was the only guy in racing that wore a fedora, but if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, this guest um, was rocking fedoras before Pete. I'm not throwing stones. I'm just saying that's what I think happened. Uh, I am your host, Jonathan Kinchin, and uh, we are back, back-to-back weeks. I told you we had a little bit of a break, but we're back rolling now. We're going to roll all the way through the Breeders' Cup and uh, probably through the, through the end of the year, maybe, maybe another missed week here or there. But um, thanks for, uh, for, for listening. I want to thank our friends at Qatar Racing uh, for their support. Uh, Qatar Racing, uh, obviously a powerhouse overseas, very involved, but uh, Sheikh Fahad and the team, are uh, really making some noise here in the U.S. Looking forward to seeing some of their stars show up here in the next few weeks and also for Breeders' Cup. Um, if, you, uh, if you can, follow, subscribe, retweet, tweet, all those good things. It's always appreciated. Make sure you follow uh, the In the Money feed. Uh, it's, the, it's like the black background with, like the, uh, with the logos, uh, with, the, with the hair and the hat. You can get all of the shows on In the Money Network, and then obviously you can follow the JK Plus One feed specifically as well. Um, this week, someone I wanted to have on for quite some time, actually, um, and, I, and I mentioned it a little bit in this podcast, but, uh, you know, and sometimes when people win races and, and you know the post-race interview is going to be really boring and they're not going to really say anything, uh, this person isn't one of those people. Right. Uh, when he wins races, he's, he's, he's entertaining. He's fun. A lot of personality. Uh, the type of guy, in my opinion, that uh, if you're sitting at home watching, it kind of makes you want to go to the races and, and, and be around. And that's our, uh, my friend Doug O'Neill, two-time Kentucky Derby winning Doug O'Neill. We talk a little bit about Aha the Another. We talk about Nyquist. We talk about uh, uh, the, the, the special super lava man, a uh, little golden sense. We talk about it all. So um, uh, we've got about an hour here. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, enough of me, Doug O'Neill. Doug, what's going on? Good. How you doing, man? I'm doing really well. I'm doing really I, You know, when I do this podcast, I usually try to ask people around the person I'm talking to to give me some good stories to tell them. My man, Jack Sisterson, didn't really help me much, but he did tell me to start the conversation by saying, hello, Gov. <laughs> yeah, that, that definitely, um, you know, with Jack, uh, we, we miss Jack is he definitely classed to join up and, and we all were talking like, uh, you know, English, uh, intelligent people around here while he was here. So we, we miss that. Yeah. He, I, I had him on, he was a lot of fun. So we'll, we'll touch, we'll touch base on some of the horses he was around for, but uh, you know, you know, I'm always interested how people kind of come to the game, especially if they weren't born into it, you know, like dad wasn't a trainer, you know, that whole deal. What, yep. uh, what brought you to the racetrack? You know, uh, my dad, uh, uh, rest in peace. He passed away uh, a number of years ago, but he loved horse racing. So as a kid, I, you know, was around uh, the racing form and around hearing stories about the track and all that stuff. So, um, at age 10, we moved from Michigan, the great state of Michigan, to California. And literally the first weekend we were in California, we didn't go to the San Monica Pier, didn't go to Disneyland. And we went to the track, baby. So uh, it was really my first glimpse of what I had been hearing. In, in Michigan, you had to be 14 to go to the track. So I'd never gone. But um, I fell in love with it. It was before all the off-track wagering. And, you know, there was 40,000 people or maybe more. At, here at Sanita on, on that uh, first time I came and just was in awe of the equine athletes of the, the Bill Shoemaker was here. I had heard about him, got to see him like close up and, and all the, the, the big uh, name trainers and stuff. So fell in love with it. And then I had a basketball coach and a mentor named Mike Amaday who went to school with Jude Feld. And uh, he had heard me talk about horse racing sometime in high school and said, man, if you ever want to, see the locker room, if you will, the, the, the barn area, let me know. And I'll hook you up with Jude, which he did. And 
um, started coming to the barn and, and uh, right out of high school, I, I went to work walking hots for Jude and Delmar and pretty much haven't never looked back. I, I just, so uh, I think being first generation, there's a lot of um, positives to that because I had such a, uh, just a hunger to learn and to, to be here and to, and to see what made everything tick. And I think being born into it would definitely be a benefit as well. But, uh, you know, you maybe don't get that added bonus of, of curiosity that you do when you first step into the barn area and you have no idea what the heck's going on. So, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of in a nutshell, that's my life, how I, I got back here. So at what, at what point do you remember kind of you got your first horse and, and, and who was kind of the, the first guy that showed some or, or gal that showed some support when when it was time to kind of go out on your own? Well, you know, my my brothers, uh, uh, Dennis and Danny, uh, were always really supportive. They loved racing. My oldest brother, Dave, was intrigued by it, but never really got bit by the bug. But um, so, God, probably a few years, maybe three years into grooming uh my brother dennis uh put a little group together and then um at that point i was assistant trainer for doug peterson and doug was cool with me having a couple on my own while i assisted him as well and then i got a call from uh bob feld jude feld's brother and bob said hey i, I got this buddy of mine he's got like four or six horses at the time i can't remember looking for a trainer his trainer just retired would you be interested and I was like, yeah. So I left Doug Peterson, took those horses. So I had like six on my own. And, and, um, so that, that was probably, I was maybe 21 at the time, maybe. And, uh, um, it all, it goes, it all goes so fast. And, and, uh, the mornings, especially early on, everything is just flying. So it is kind of like, um, I guess going from, grade school basketball to high school basketball to college basketball everything just gets a little bit faster when the waters get a little bit deeper so um you know just learn to kind of swim in, in the deep end and, and um as you do learn that then you can take on more horses and more responsibilities and it, and it becomes a uh it becomes to make more sense but yeah just awesome to work alongside horses and, and uh you know to me at the time I, I had, when I first went to work for Jude Feld right out of high school, I think he had like 30 horse at the time. And I think each and every one of them that had run before were, they were all NFL athletes to me. Right. You know, I was here, I was working alongside horses that I had seen compete, you know, uh, days or weeks before that. So, um, I think you just, if you have a, a love and passion for, a racehorse is just no better place to be than working alongside them and, and, uh, helping them achieve, uh, you know, the, the greatest that they, they can be. And it, it's interesting because a lot, I mean, I feel like a lot of trainers, well, not a lot, but there's a lot, you know, a handful of trainers kind of have to like start in kind of like the, the minor leagues and kind of work their way up. I mean, were you, did you start training at Santa Anita Hollywood park and in Del Mar or, did you, did you do a little low sal and, you know, to kind of get started or were you always in the, at the big show? You know, I was fortunate enough to start off, uh, in Southern California, Hollywood park mainly. And I remember being on that trainer stand with the great, uh, Bobby Frankel and Charlie Whittingham and, and Laz Barrera. And I mean, just some like, like what in the world am I doing here? But, uh, you know, I was the, I had a lot of weaknesses, but one of my, maybe my strengths was just shut my mouth and, and listening. And, uh, and just as you, and the great Ron Mack and I too, is still with us. Um, you know, just listening to these guys talk was just, you know, you felt like you should have paid, you know, admission price to hear these guys talk, but it, it really, as you got more confident in yourself, you realized as brilliant of horsemen as these guys were, or are, they had to have the horse and, and that's something that um, I think early on as a younger trainer, you think, you know, only Bob Baffert can, can win the big ones. Cause you know, he knows how to do it, but in reality, as great of a trainer as the Bob Bafferts are, they're 
really good because they got really good horses and they've got an eye for finding good horses and they've uh and they've got the smarts and the experience to uh what to look for so that's something that's the game slows down and you um get more comfortable in your skin of what you can do then you really help yourself out by starting to select the athletes that you know you can do well with so um but that was a long answer to say i actually started here but i did go up to northern california i was at bay meadows prior to them closing for about a year or so i think i had my very first win ever was at uh actually it was at golden gate a horse named frank prince um but uh yeah it's really there's so many great horsemen out there and um it's just a matter of getting a good horse that um you know you surround them with good people good sure good exercise right a good groom and, and a little bit of luck and great things can happen you know, I've always wondered about a lot of you Southern California guys, you know, when, when the Rams are on TV, does it piss you off? Do you, do you, when there's a home game or the chargers, do you uh-huh. get, do you get a little frustrated or do you root for them? Uh, you know, it's funny. I actually, uh, um, I'm a Lions fan, which I'm feeling good about that, uh, this year, kind of dusting off some old Lions gear that I've been hiding out on. But, um, yeah, it, it's uh, for years the LA didn't have an NFL team. So you're right. We we got to see a variety of all the other teams every Sunday. But uh, uh, you know the the Rams uh, and Chargers they're they're both halfway decent. The Rams are actually better than what everyone ex- was expecting. But there's no better. This is such a great time of year for me. I I love NFL and the hockey is start starting back here in the next week or so. We got Major League Baseball playoffs and. Um, and then you got the Breeders' Cup right around the corner, so it's a great time of year. And and uh, um, but makes it even better if you got a good racehorse in your shed, that's for sure. Well, you you know we'll 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 go now before we go back then. But huh. uh, Ceiling Crusher, right? Um, pretty pretty impressive filly. Are you are you thinking purple and gold with her and and and, and kind of targeting something in the first uh, Saturday in November? You know I, we would, but she's not. She wasn't nominated or uh, made eligible or nominated, I guess, as a full. So it would cost a hundred thousand or more to make her eligible, and and uh, the owners have decided. And I don't blame them not to write that big of a check. But um, so I'm not really sure. I, I think uh, uh, there's a race uh, at Zia Park, the Zia Park Oaks or something, in uh, uh, middle or end of November it's for three year old only. It's going long, so. I think that's kind of our tentative target. And then also the there's a seven eights against older Phillies, I believe the La Brea, uh, right when uh, Sandita starts back up in December 26th. So those are a couple options. But yeah, she, she's a wonderful Philly. And um, we got her after she broke her maiden so impressively. So I, I like to say we, we got her, you know, we, we were placed on third base when we got her because she was kind of a freak before we got her. And we were just, uh, uh, thanks to the owner's patience, been able to maintain her specialness. She's just, she's a beast of an individual just to look at her and, uh, and just full of energy every day when you lead her out there to whether you're jogging, galloping, working, she gives you a hundred percent. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been really amazing what she's done in the afternoons other than one race where she kind of gotten herself a little bit of trouble and um, she's been pretty flawless really. Oh, it's so it's 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 one of those deals. It's just so crazy. It's like uh, it reminds me of uh, uh, when I was at Keeneland one time and I was hanging out in this the green room where a lot of the, the betters hang out. And this this guy, this drunk guy from Canada, spilt his uh, <laughs> spilt his champagne on my on my MacBook, oh. and uh, I didn't have Apple Care. It reminds me a lot of not not uh, nominating uh, a horse for the Breeders' Cup. Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely, uh, it, it's uh, it's a good analogy. It's a, it's a bummer, and, and uh, just pay the three hundred, right? Isn't it like three hundred bucks? It might be five hundred, but yeah, it, it's definitely. Uh, it sure does it now with her. It seems really worth it, but uh, I know, it, you know, man, what, what? And there's can you nothing do? you can do about it, like for next year either. It's gonna be the same situation no matter what, right? There's no like like open enrollment later, and you know, you you mean you she you had to do it at the beginning, or you got to pay a hundred to get her in there. Even I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. I don't know all Ugh. the things, but I know it's, it's, uh, yeah, I, I know I would have a hard time writing a big check like that for, for, you know, uh, 
for one just one race right so anything can happen in one race and it's just too big of a risk and getting that cotillion win that grade one win is so huge for her and her pedigree and her 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 future residual value as a mama so um but yeah we'll we'll, we'll be watching and, and i'm sure whatever happens uh in the breeders cup this staff will be thinking ah we we, we could have beat them but ah, we'll, yeah but we'll... i think that i think the thing you know i think the thing about that is is like i mean just if you know, i'm putting on the hat if i was making the decision if i was going to be the favorite or if i was going to yeah. be the second choice then i think it's an easier check to write yeah. But when you have to face the, the some of the older horses, some of the monsters that are probably, you know, that I'm like, you know, Clarieres and the nests and all of those, you know, I think it, it, the check becomes a little bit more complicated. Maybe it's a four year old, you know, maybe she she starts running off the screen with triple digit buyers and these things. And then, you know, it makes a little bit more sense. But well said, um, no, I'm, I'm with you, Jonathan. I, you're 100% right on that. Um, your first grade one, uh, Skyjack. Tell us about Skyjack. Wow. Well, he actually, uh, uh, one of my first, uh, clients, uh, Renmar farms, um, uh, called me about taking him. Actually, they had him and a couple others with Bob Baffert and Bob was kind of, uh, uh, expanding and, or, or his, he was getting a lot of horses and didn't have a stall space. And, and, uh, I said, of course. So it took Skyjack and a few others, um, of Renmar from, from, Bob at that time over from Hollywood Park and yeah that, that's just the craziest thing he um, he had I think two knee surgeries he had like two colic surgeries he was just a warrior and uh, every time you thought well he's gonna have to retire now and he'd come back and stronger than ever so um, ironically that first grade one the Hollywood Gold Cup he beat uh, momentum uh for the great Paul Redham, who uh, I didn't train for at the time. And, and uh, uh, Gary Gomez was on momentum and we had Lafitte Pinkai and Skyjack and, and uh, got to remember that race like it was yesterday. And then to fast forward, we were able to train for, for Paul and Zilla Redham is, is amazing. So yeah, that was a great time, a great race and, and many great lucky stuff uh, came upon me. Uh, shortly after that that's for sure you, you mentioned uh paul redham and and before we get to uh the, the two big horses um you know i wanted to talk a little bit about your your first two starters in the derby and, and what you know what maybe you learned from those two liquidity and great hunter that that possibly influenced or impacted what you did eventually with i'll have another in Iquist. Um, you know, I think just the experience of it's such a whirlwind of a week or two going into it. So I think just being able to, um, be part of that blizzard of, uh, attention, of excitement, of stress, of nervousness, of not wanting a hair out of place, you know, for the horses. So, um, I think that was, uh, super helpful for, for all of us mentally, but I think the one beauty of starting off in California, we're, we're so blessed for the most part to have beautiful weather on a daily basis and seeing the, the Whittinghams and the Frankels and the, you know, the top trainers every day, just open gallop and, and work. And, you know, you just really, I, I was brought up around a old school train, train, train type of thing. So I think that really benefited me the most as we got lucky and got a horse like and i'll have another was just not to nurse him into the race and be happy to be there but to continue on with some serious exercise you know going into it and um you know i got there was a few people that were chirping that i was training the horse too hard or doing too much or this and that and and you never know until if he would have got beat i probably would have questioned it but we just went at it strong and good open gallops and, and strong breezes. And he seemed as ready as he could be and, and, uh, and got it done. So, I, you know, I want to talk, I'll have another, you know, and then we'll, we'll go to Nyquist, but the thing about well, a funny thing, and I think I've told you this when we've just been like, you know, in a, in a you know, at a racetrack hanging out, but it's funny that as a, when I was just a pure fan 
I uh, flew in like in a night early. I was flying standby. I flew in a night early and I got like a room at the golf house before my friends came like on a Tuesday night. It was like $99 that night, $9,000 on Thursday night. <laughs> and uh, we, we, I stayed at the golf house. And I saw you in that, that kind of that atrium area. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, I'd never seen you before except for like on HRTV or TVG or whatever. And, uh, and, I, and I, I remember kind of working up the courage to come over and say hello uh-huh. and, and tell you good luck. And then I walked away from you thinking you were very appreciative and, and very nice. And, and, and then I walked away and I thought to myself, why, why did I tell him good luck? I, I want Bodie Meister to win. <laughs> and, oh, uh, awesome. and, uh, and, and, you know, and I'll have another obviously was, 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 was super impressive. I, I think that one of the most impressive things to me about your two Derby winners, and we can talk about I'll have another first is the fact that they won so early in their careers going such a sh- such short distances, but then they went on to be so good going a mile and a quarter. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, they were just both uh, so fit, so ready, and uh, and they were battle tested. You know, the, the the straight maidens out here, uh, you know, even though they've gotten a little short, the fields have gotten a little short, but uh, just like. Uh, saratoga and and kentucky and you know i mean if if you can win a straight maiden early on you know you got a pretty special horse and and uh and then whether or not he could carry it that that was the biggest thing being by flower alley just you didn't know uh he was such a great racehorse flower alley but didn't really have that much success as a stallion but um i'll have another was displaying special stuff uh on a daily basis and and uh i remember mario come to work coming to work him maybe about three weeks before the Bob Lewis stakes. And, uh, I didn't really know Mario at the time and I knew his agent and, uh, his agent had told me the following morning that Mario said, well, I'm definitely not going to ride that one. And Ivan Pewich was his agent. He said, why, why do you say that kid? He's an older fella. Ivan at the time. Why did you say that? And he said, ah, that horse is way too good for my first mount in that barn to be on that particular horse. And, and, uh, (laughs) And lo and behold, it was, and he got it done at a big price in the Bob Lewis. So, um, yeah, he, he was a special, special horse. And unfortunately, he hasn't carried it on as a stallion. His offspring hasn't nearly been anything close to what he was as a, as a racehorse. But, um, yeah, they, and as you talk about the Gold House, God, man, we had some good times uh, there at the Gold House. with, And that was Jack and Steve, and we had a, a real crew uh, – with us surrounding the horses and, and when the horses were, were fed and, and, uh, bedded down comfortably, we, uh, would go have a good time there at the golf house and celebrate everything that was going on around us. That's for sure. Were you confident, uh, going into I'll have another's derby? Were you, were you, were you nervous? Did you think I need things to kind of go my way or were you, were you in one of those positions where you're like, I cannot believe they're going to allow this horse to go off at this price? Where, where did you kind of fit the morning of the race? I, I was pretty darn confident. And, you know, uh, thanks to Paul and Zilla, they were so cool about, you know, we, we kind of had a little posse uh, that went with us to Kentucky. So we, we were all not in our heads too much and overthinking too much and just living in the moment and um realizing that uh this horse had just run a couple crazy monstrous races uh going into the derby and he was just ripping around churchill downs uh derby week so we were confident we were all pretty loose and um you know we just we weren't overthinking it and and we were definitely i you know we, we drew whatever we drew the ninth, 19 hole right we were number 19 so we we're in, in the parking lot uh but as it turned out, that was really a good place to be to stay out of all kinds of chaos that, that might ensue if you're down on the inside. So um, I would say the morning of, we, we were feeling pretty confident, but we were probably also a little bit hungover. <laughs> Understandably so. You, you talked about, and I remember hearing this too, and I don't, I don't, you know, just as a fan and like, you know, and, and, and as a horse player, hearing that you know, and I'll have another ran so well. And one of the reasons it was just like, well, Doug O'Neill just, you know, he just, man, he just, he, you know, it's like sub two minute clipping him around there, sub two minute clipping him around there. And, 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 and I remember when Nyquist, when it got to Nyquist, I remembered that. Um, is, is that, is that something that you've always done from a training standpoint? Or is that some, is that people being mis, is that people misunderstanding what you're doing or, 
Um, is that something kind of that you, you pride yourself on for the success you've had in, in the Derby? I, I definitely credit that to the success we've had with those two horses in Derby. And uh, I also credit uh, uh, the late Doug Peterson, who I, I only worked for him for about six months. But I remember the first day I was the assistant trainer, got on the pony, went down to the track. And, and uh, it was funny. Doug would always, if it was 95 degrees, he'd have like a three-piece suit on. If it was 50 degrees, he'd have a T-shirt on. He was always a little bit wacky with old Mother Nature, but he was down there sucking on a cigar and uh, told me to jog the horse off and then let him go and and told the kid to you know good comfortable gallop. So I was like, this will be interesting. And and I had he never had more than about 12 horses it seemed like Doug, so I didn't really pay attention to him prior to working for him. And son of a gun, this horse just started ripping around the track. And I remember thinking, oh, God, he's going to yell at the rider. He's going to yell at me. We're all getting yelled at here. I don't know what. And came back, and Doug was like, that was perfect. Great. And I'm like, wow, all right. And uh, so he kind of had that mentality of letting a, put, you know, let a horse put the feet where they want to put them and, uh, and get them on and off the track as quickly as he can. You know, last thing you want to do is have them out there too long and, and uh, anyway, it was kind of a wacky mindset, but man, I, I saw a lot of horses get good in the short period of time. I worked for him with that training method and I adopted it right away. And, and as I went on my own, I had some pretty good success with some lesser horses by just doing that, letting them put their feet where they want to put them. Now it, it is different nowadays because of all the protocols and stuff you've you've got a I've, I've been forced to back off a little bit on that but um um there was no doubt if i had my own training center and and wasn't you know didn't have to worry about you know there's vets on every corner watching your horses train so you've got to kind of reel everything in and not um overdo anything or you'll get red flagged or whatever so uh, so times have changed and we're changing with the times, but, uh, um, yeah, I 100% believe in, in good open gallops. And, and I think they, they learn to breathe, uh, properly, you know, as they do in a racing setting, uh, they get on and off the track a little bit quicker, which a lot of them like that. And, um, and they stay sounder longer, I think, but, uh, it's definitely, um, something both Nyquist and I'll have another, uh, did quite often and they were pretty fit and ready to roll when, when we let them over there. We talked a little bit with Jack about the unfortunate, well, let's back up. Let's go Preakness first before we go Belmont. We're, you know, look, I was of the belief just, you know, you grew up on the racetrack, you've been around horses, you've had horses like golden Sense, and you know what speed can do. Um, I was of the belief the way the race, the Derby was run, the way that Bodie Meister ran, um, and the, and the fact that he was hooked by Trini Berg and ran really fast and you were to run him down, I, I thought in the Preakness, he'd have a chance to kind of have more comfortable fractions and, 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 and would be tough for, for all have another to catch. Were you fearful of that? Or at that point, did I'll have another show you enough that you were confident that he, he would, he would be able to beat Bodie Meister regardless of the circumstances? You know, again, uh, I, I think just the the looseness we all had and the confidence in the horse, um, it, it made sense shortening up, coming back in two weeks, that the speed of Bodie Meister would be really tough to, to run down. And um, But, I mean, we were just, we were feeling it. And I'll have another, you know, I think we walked him three days and we jogged him maybe a day or two. And then he started, he started ripping around the Pimlico track, uh, and he was loving it. So he, he was training and galloping like he didn't, you know, miss a beat from the Derby. So now we, we definitely come freaking this morning. We were feeling pretty good that we were going to be the horse to beat and, uh, and sure shoot. He, he, he got it done again. So it was, it was a lot of just um, the horse was in his own and he was surrounded by a lot of, positive people that were feeling it and, and uh, pulling for him. And I just, everything was just clicking perfectly at that time. And obviously I would, I would imagine that in your career, one of the most disappointing moments had to be uh, what happened uh, up in New York 
Um, it, it, you know, and, and so I wanted to obviously get your feeling about what that week was like, but I also want to point out that, that when I had Jack Sisterson, he mentioned that, 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 that experience was significantly easier because of how the Redhams responded to all of it. Um, just how, how, how engaging they were with you and your staff and, and, you know, and making sure that the event still stayed fun despite the, the, the horrible news. Tell me a little bit about kind of how that week unfolded. And did you feel like you, like he technically probably could have run them, but it wasn't the right thing to do. Just, you know, wherever you want to go with it. Yeah, no, it's, I know I got so many feelings uh, through that because that was, uh, um, I remember I, they, they set up, uh, I had lunch um, with, uh, oh God, no, I'm, I'm going to, uh, forget his name sorry this is embarrassing but the the trainer of uh seattle slew um i ah, just passed god darn it but no, I'm, uh, I'm a horrible uh historian <laughs> so, i'm so bad uh, but he could not have been a uh, uh, billy turner sorry billy turner so i had lunch with billy maybe maybe a week before the belmont and uh he was also now ironically this is just you talk about a small world thing here. So Doug Peterson cut his teeth working for Billy Turner. And actually Doug Peterson, the owners ended up firing Billy or Billy quit. And they gave the Seattle Sioux to Doug Peterson towards the end of his career. And Doug won some race with him. But so Doug kind of learned his open gallop mentality from Billy. So, <clears throat> so as I had lunch with him, I was just in awe. He couldn't have been cooler. And, and I had said to Billy, cause the one thing about Belmont, it's a, just such a unique, you know, the big Sandy, right. It's a deeper track, you know, much more, uh, a different surface than what Sanita and Churchill and Preakness and Pimlico are. So, but he was adamant. Do not change what got you here. You know, you're, you're, you're going to probably hear people say you should just walk them or jog them or, you know, just, nurse them into the race uh i wouldn't do it and and, uh and i i loved hearing that because that was my big thing too is i'm not i'm just gonna continue to do what got us here but at the same time as i look back (laughs) what created the inflammation in the tendon was more than likely continuing those fast gallops on a deeper surface and uh so you know i kicked myself a little bit that god we could have probably loaded i'll have another backwards and i probably could have walked him from the preakness to the belmont and and he would have won but i just kind of kept with the same training regiment that got us there and and son of a gun I'd... yeah i mean it's funny you know in, in horse racing and you know i think as a trainer and and also as like a, a horse player and i think just in life in general I think, I think we often become too results oriented where, you know, you've developed a process that you believe in for a reason. Yep. And when that process bites you in the ass from time to time, there's this knee jerk reaction to change the process. Yeah. But it it, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily, but you never, here's the thing. If you started listening to other people before the Preakness or before the Derby and started listening to other people's, criticism and maybe not doing what you wanted to do you might not even gotten to that spot anyways so it's like it, it to me it's i get it i mean maybe you know you find yourself in that position again maybe if nyquist would have went on maybe you do that maybe you do something different but i don't know it's look i can understand your position of, of kicking yourself a little bit but also you know what are you gonna do i, I appreciate it yeah no i agree and and, and like jack had told you I, I think, um, you know, I had to make that phone call with, with Paul. It was, you know, top 10, maybe top five worst phone calls you can make to an owner. Um, he couldn't have been, he was disappointed of course, but, uh, I, we just quickly got into the celebrating everything that had gone on to get us there. And, uh, you know, as I figured he was going to pack his bags and run to the airport and get home, he was like, Nope, we're still going to, we're going to celebrate this great day and uh, we're going to go enjoy the race and root on, you know, for, so he handled it with so much class, which made any whining I may have wanted to do quickly disappear. And, and, um, 
and you know they, we even prayed we even prayed at him into the winter circle there uh um the naira people asked us if we would we said oh, of course so you know he still got a chance to, to go over there and people got a chance to root him on and we got a chance to to be with him as we were rooting him on too so it was a gut-wrenching moment but also a, a great moment and and a, and a great learning moment and um something i'll never forget that's for sure fast forward to nyquist was, was there would you say you were more confident in the first Saturday in May when you woke up there in Louisville at the Gold House, probably a little hungover that time too, with <laughs> with Nyquist, or were you more confident with I'll Have Another? Oh, more confident with Nyquist, you know, because with I'll Have Another, we were blindly confident, you know, we, you know, until you win the Derby, that's another thing. You just feel like, okay, that only, you know, uh, you got to have three or four in there to, to try to get one home, right? I just It just seems when you got 20 lined up so many things have to go your way and you know only having one in there by flower alley or that so i i would say but going in there with nike was undefeated he had gate speed um yeah we were feeling even more confident with him and and uh but at the same time same thing you, you had so many things that have to go your way and fortunately they did but yeah that was Something that after 2012, with I'll have another, never thought I'd ever experienced that high in, in horse racing. And boom, here we were in 2016 with a similar feeling. It was pretty incredible. You know, I think the other crazy part about it, too, for me is like, it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's for, I'm sure it meant a lot to you as well. It's kind of what I felt when Johnny won, a, a, finally won a derby for Todd. It's like winning those derbies for, Mr. and Mrs. Redham, considering how much support they had given you as their trainer and how much, I mean, obviously we know how loyal they are, uh, you know, yeah. and, and, and yeah. I say that is, is, is because of their commitment to, to ride, you know, a rider like Mario, who, who is, you know, I don't, I'm not, he's not, he's no Irad Ortiz. He doesn't have the success that Irad has, but they, they stuck, they stick by him and they were rewarded for that. And I think that yeah. says a lot uh, about them as owners. 100%. And uh, yeah, I'm sure I've, I should have been fired numerous times and they've been super loyal to, to, to me. So now they're just wonderful people and um, they, they love the sport. Uh, you know, I always say I, they would do the sport even if there was no purse money. Thank God there's purse money involved, but they, they just love um, watching horses progress, watching them compete at a high level. And, and uh, um, man, they, they sure have, They've employed a lot of people, and uh, like you say, they're super loyal to a lot of people. And yeah, it's just that—that's my greatest win ever was being able to uh, be called one of their trainers because it's—it's just uh, you just know you can do right by the horse, be patient, or run a horse right back. You can, you know, you can do what you think is is in the best interest, and if it doesn't work, they'll never second guess you, and they're they're just. Uh, they're they're great and like you say to get lucky and win two derbies uh for them is just uh doesn't get any better they got great silks too i'm a silks guy uh if you have bad silks it really annoys me they have great silks (laughs) they do they're they're legendary and i I agree they're they're subtle they're classy and and uh yeah it it, it's very fitting because paul's a a classy man good 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 man now I'm sure that you know. Obviously, the Belmont with with I'll have another was disappointing, but uh, man, I gotta say it's, it was probably a little disappointing with is the race that I, that, that Hot Rod Charlie ran a few years back to oh, not man. win that Belmont <laughs> has to be in your top five of disappointing New York moments. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, it was we we're so proud and so excited. We we almost treated it like we won because yeah, the fractions they were setting and and he was setting and. And to continue on and, and, and be there right at the wire was just phenomenal. And yeah, that, that was such a cool run with all, with hot rod Charlie. And, and, uh, of course my nephew, Patrick and, and, uh, and Greg and Bill and the whole crew, it was just, uh, uh, he, he, he had a lot of, a lot of good chapters in the old, uh, hot rod Charlie book and took us a lot of cool places. And, and, um, yeah, I, I remember the Mike Pegram, Bob Baffert's big owner once saying years ago that the beauty of having being involved with the top racehorses, you end up going to places you never normally would have went to. And 
and Hot Rod Charlie so sure took us to a few of those places. So very very cool. Doug, I, look, I like I said, I you know I I got pretty involved. I was a you know I started you know 2005 when Giacomo won. It was like was like you know I was in college and I you know I had five across the board and I bought the keg beer that day and then I ordered <laughs> some books and then I started reading some of the handicapping books and then I you know I started watching and taping HRTV and watching the handicapping shows and and my fandom really started around then. So I, I kind of you know I feel like I kind of caught I was it was I was very still learning when mm-hmm. Lava Man was was doing what Lava Man did. And I, 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 you know, I can look at the past performances and I can still try to comprehend what happened there. But, I'm, you know, I was hoping you could kind of help me out a little bit and kind of tell me the Lava Man story, at, you know, because I can appreciate it now coming from you because I didn't get to really feel it knowing what I know now. Like what went into the claim and, and, and just how the hell did he get so good? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, um, you know, he's a horse that, uh, Steve Kenley, uh, the Kenleys and then Jason Wood, uh, were the ones who claimed him and owned him, but it was Steve Kenley who loved him down at Del Mar. He was in for I think 62, five and I nixed it. And then he came back in for 50 and Steve basically said, if you don't like him, don't worry, I'll call somebody else. And I was like, yeah. And, uh, and he was a horse that won for like Maiden 12.5 up north, blah, blah, blah. But Steve Kenley's a big, still is a big numbers guy, rag numbers guy. Claimed him and uh, big, good looking horse. He was in great shape, but he had, he was a big, solid horse with big uh, feet that were a little troublesome. And um, we had the great shoer who's retired now, a guy named Jimmy Jimenez. And Jimmy was just magical the way he uh, kept his feet um, sound and, and proper and happy. And um, so he uh, uh, just, he was just a solid horse. I don't know. He just, he was a cowbred. So that was my big thing is, Oh, we got a solid cowbred and the brain surgeon I am, I actually ran him for 80, I believe 80 or hundred claimer early on in his four-year-old career. And he won. Thank God he didn't get claimed, but, uh, um, yeah, he, he was early on when we had him, honestly, I, I thought he was a solid horse, but I didn't think he would run more than probably five or six times before we were going to have to give him some time off to let him grow some, some foot. But, um, he just, I think he ran steady for us, Jesus, maybe for about four years. So, uh, he was pretty remarkable and, and exceptional in, in so many ways. And, and uh, a lot of credit to Jimmy Jimenez keeping him sound all those times that that old cliche, no foot, no horse is so true. And Jimmy just kept him with uh, really good, solid, uh, healthy feet. What, what was kind of his, you know, look, we, we can talk about horses attributes and what they were really good at and all the good ones. Oh, that one was really fast. That one had turn of foot. That one didn't like getting beat. What, what were kind of his, you know, what were his attributes that made him, you know, as good as he was? Well, he had gate speed and he had uh, extremely competitive and uh, tons of class. Um, he was smart, too. He's just a God. He was a, a thinker, always just um, just doing things around the barn that we were like, really? I it just um, there was at times where you thought he was should be working at like a petting zoo or something and uh and then you see him on the track and you he's just an absolute warrior so um yeah he, he was just exceptional in so many ways um you know having some great riders get on him too garrett gomez like garrett gomez uh the hall of famer now uh, cory Nakatani and uh, pat valenzuela you know just to see these guys would be in awe of where he would put them at the three eights pole and then you could ask him and he had another gear, a couple gears from there. And uh, so, you know, as we all would see it with our eyes, just hearing the great Nakatani and Pival and Gomez talk about, you know, what they would be sitting underneath or, or what would be underneath them. And when they would call on him, the way he would just explode at that late of a race was, was pretty exceptional. So he's just, Unique, one of a kind. Hopefully, we can 
land another one like him, but it'd be hard to ever get one close to running the way he did for as long as he did. You mentioned gate speed with him. You mentioned it with Nyquist. And, and when I have trainers, I always like to, you know, I, I like to try to, 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 you know, I love the stories. I like to try to gain some knowledge as well. What, what, what attribute do you, do you feel is it creates that gate speed? Is it, is it, uh, is it a mental thing, right? The ability to kind of fire away from there when the bell rings, when the doors open, is it a physical thing? Is it a, is it a, is it a rear end? Is it a, is it a back end thing? What, what, what do you kind of think um, you, you would, you know, what, what trait would you kind of tie in with a horse having gate speed? Mm, that's a great question. I, you know, I would say part of it is the way they're broke. Uh, you'll get some horse that just, they'll stand in there and they follow those doors so quickly that even if they don't have a lot of natural speed, they leave quicker than others who, you know, maybe aren't as comfortable or aren't as uh, well-schooled in the gate. So I think good gate schooling is, is key. Um, and then you get kind of a lot of times too riders. You just, I mean, the great Pat Valenzuela was just so exceptional with just, he would stay off their mouth. He would just grab a handful of mane and the reins would be loose. And he would just try to have their head right in the V of the gate pointed, you know, right up the backside there, wherever they were breaking from and just let them break on their own. And it's amazing how quickly they can leave there if you do that. So just trying to stay off their mouth and letting them break naturally and um you know is so key but the gate crew does a wonderful job because as we get horses that aren't real comfortable in there we try to school them as much as we can and the more relaxed they are and, and the more the rider can stay off their mouth more than likely the better they're going to be positioned you know early on in the race well i think if we're going to talk speed we probably should 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 talk a little bit about golden sense i mean that was uh that was an exceptional horse did you were you concerned about the distance for him derby wise did you or were you did you feel like this horse is so talented so fast we don't have a choice we have to try to see what we can get accomplished here what what did you think yeah yeah he he was so so gifted and had so much like you say so much speed um you know amount of quarter every now and then if you can you know, though it's impossible really in the derby to talk, you're going to walk the dog. But if you could somewhere or another cruise around there early and turn it, turn it into a mile dash home, you know, we thought you know, we knew things were just going to have to go exceptionally well. And, and uh, uh, but it was still a great experience. We had Kevin Krigger, who was so great of uh, Glenn and, and Glenn Sorgenstein, who um, had, I'll have another, or I'll run had Golden Sense. And uh, him and his partners were cool enough to leave Kevin Krieger, who didn't have the, you know, the street name, if you will, to be a derby rider. We knew he had the ability to be a Kentucky derby rider, and, and we knew he knew Golden Sense really well. So that was a, a great experience. We didn't get the results we wanted, but uh, but it was still uh, a wonderful time. And, and uh, um, you know, wouldn't trade it for anything. It was a, a great, good moment for us. Yeah, and, 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 you know, you talked a little bit about uh, I'll have another and, and the fact that he wasn't really, you know, he didn't turn out to be the, the, the daddy that he was runner. But, but Golden Sense, on the other hand, you know, he's, he's, he's had a little bit uh, of success. Whew, man, they're runner. And they'll, they'll sprint, route, turf, dirt, anything. Yeah, and he's, um, he had so much natural speed that I, I think you just see a lot of his uh, offspring have that. And he had – tons of fight in him too he uh um yeah it is cool to see uh the offspring of golden sense do as well as they're doing and to continue to do it well so it's uh um fun to be you know you're getting old when you start seeing even you know uh mares that are by horse they used to train or you start seeing uh, second dams they used to train so it's, it's pretty cool you talked about kind of letting, you know, letting your horses kind of put their feet where they want to put them. I, I would imagine he used to roll around there in the morning oh. as fast as he was. <laughs> he would, he would literally, there'd be times where the clockers would call and, uh, did, did you just work him? I'm like, no, he didn't work. And, but yeah, he would go sometimes sub 15, you know, eighth of a mile gallops around there. So, but, um, yeah, that, that Johnny Garcia who galloped, all these guys and, and uh, you know, he, that was 
probably if well it's hard to say Nyquist uh, he was definitely our, our one we <laughs> loved the most for whatever reason but um but Golden Sense was he was fun to watch train and and for Johnny he was fun to watch or fun for him to ride but yeah he would clip around there super comfortably and <clears throat> more times than not couldn't blow out a match you know 30 seconds after he was done training he was just so fit and ready to do whatever we asked him to do you know, he's one of those horses that really taught me a lesson um, in, 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 in speed. Um, you know, he's the type of horse that helped me figure out turf sprints. He's the type of horse that helped me realize that Nick's go wasn't going to get beat that year. Uh, he's the kind of horse that made me understand why American Pharaoh was able to do what he was able to do, justify. He's one of those horses that ran so damn fast that if, if you were even kind of close to him, you were in trouble. And... Yeah. And he took the kick away from the closers because they were going faster than they were comfortable going because it's so hard to judge from back there how fast he was going in front of you. You didn't want to let him get too far away from you because you knew how good he was. He was the horse that I would say taught me that, that speed is the best weapon that you can have in dirt racing in this game. Uh, I, I, man, I, I agree. And, and uh, it, it's really uh, speed kills, right? It's, it's hard to – make up ground if you get two equal horses and one's got that natural gate speed whew, it's it's hard to pass them up so um yeah he he was cool and we're we're always looking for more uh those kind of horses because they're you know you, you keep them fit and happy and and uh every time you lead them over there you feel like you got a big chance doug i i, I fleet street dancer uh did you go hmm. to, to japan for that race we did yeah i went uh Went with the Leathermans and, uh, yeah, what a, I think he was just gelded. I don't think we gelded him. I think he, they gelded him the race before we claimed him. And holy mackerel, was he a beast of a horse. And, uh, yeah, that was still the most remarkable thing. Cause I swear, even when they put the photo up on the, on the screen after the race, it looked like we lost and, uh, but they said we won and uh it was a two million dollar race and japan in japan it's it's horse racing baseball cigarettes and beer that's kind of their top four things over there it seems like from from my standpoint but we had such a wonderful time and they really rolled out the red carpet for us and uh, i think we were like 50 to one uh Japan really rolls out the red carpet for you when you get lucky enough to have a, a good horse to send over there. And, and this was no exception. And yeah, we just had a great time. And then to, to win that race on top of it was just an incredible experience. Something I'll never forget. How, what is, how, what's that shipping like? Do you, I guess they go, they go left from California and how long did it take? <laughs> Whew, it, it was a long time for us humans. So I, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I would imagine it's probably a good, uh, 15 20 hour i don't know it, it was a long ways but uh i know um he fleet street settled in well and uh we had god i remember just crazy weather the, it was like a monsoon type of weather the day he ran and i remember even calling my shoer jimmy jimenez who did magic with lava man wondering what i should do shoeing wise and he's like leave him alone he's either going to handle it or he's not you start putting different type of um, mud nails and turndowns and all you're going to do is, you know, screw up his gate. So we left him alone. He was pretty much flat shod and uh, man, he skipped right over. He was a big horse too. And he skipped right over the, the, the wetness of the track and, and got it done. Doug, so often when, we, when you talk to these trainers, you've had a lot of success. The, you know, you, the one thing you could really get them going on is talking to them about, their longtime assistants and, and and you have a guy that's been with you and through a lot of your successes. Uh, what did Leandro mean to, to your, to, does he mean to your operation? God, he is everything. I mean, he, he is just such a, A is a great friend. He's like family and uh, B he just got, I mean, he's been around horses his whole life. So he's just, um, he just, he's such a great horseman and such a great uh, um part of our team and and i remember early on in my training and brian mayberry who he worked for for years who was such a wonderful great trainer and did magic with young horses um i remember seeing leander with brian mayberry and thinking god it'd be great to have a an assistant like that and and uh 
Um, and then when I was able to, when he came free and I was able to grab him, um, other than Lava Man, he would be the greatest claim I've ever made. And, and uh, yeah, he's just a, uh, and, and as great as Horseman is, he is, he's just a great person. And, and you, you need great leaders that way for all the men and women that are on the team that are working alongside the horses. And, and uh, he's just, it's, it's hard to put into words how important uh, men and women like Leandro are to a big stable. And he's, he's uh, all the success we've had. It's, it's all credit to him and keeping it all, keeping it all together. The, the, the last thing I wanted to try to get, you know, before we get out of here is, is, and you know, I mean, I know you got to be political sometimes here, but you, you mentioned the, 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 the short field um, from a, you know, if you, if you had a chance to hop on top of a soapbox here, is there, is there anything that you wish that, that you guys would be doing differently out in California? Some things that you feel like could potentially help with that issue with, you know, with, you know, I, like I said, without necessarily trying to, I'm not trying to get you to throw anyone under the bus or anything. Just yeah, if you had yeah. any kind of creative ideas that, that could kind of uh, rectify that issue. Yeah, you know, we're in the beautiful state of California where there's, uh, you know, it is uh, got so much to offer. And, and, uh, but at the same time, you got 60,000 homeless people in downtown LA. And what frustrates me is uh, the amount of men and women who have chosen to work alongside horses that, that, uh, you know, these horses are revered on a daily basis. And it frustrates me that we don't sell that part of the sport especially in california here and uh you know we try there's different organizations that try but um i do feel like we're we're beaten up a lot in the local media and i think that creates uh a difficult environment to get new fans out here and stuff so um yeah there's a lot i I would change sanita racetrack to the sanita equestrian center and i would have other um, you know, uh, sporting horses be here as well. And just really try to celebrate the horse and the men and women who work alongside it. And I think it's just so much beauty and so much greatness about it instead of, it seems like we're always talking about, you know, an injury here or there, which in any kind of sport that's going to happen. Right. And, uh, um, so that would be my, my, if I was, the Sanita manager hat on, that's what I would focus on would be to really try to spread the news of the greatness that goes on on a daily basis here. And, and, and all the men and women who have chosen to work alongside them. And some people might not want to work alongside a horse, but it doesn't mean that we can't uh, really honor the, the men and women who, who do decide to do that. So that, that's my pitch. Well, Doug, I, I uh, look. I appreciate you taking the time. I know it's. I know it's. A, it's. It's a busy job, but uh, we we appreciate you. Uh, I've always. I've always. Even before we 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 became friendly, and I and I and I got to meet you. I've always been a fan uh, from afar. You. You. You know. It's. There, there's nothing like a. There's nothing like a boring post race interview with some <laughs> guy with no personality after winning a race. It makes you want to go to the races, right? But uh, it's obviously it's obviously not the same when you uh, when you get a mic in front of your mouth. Now, uh, John, you're you're the man. I appreciate you saying that. Not only your friend, I'm a big fan of yours too. I got some of your shirts in my closet, so there you go. Uh, if you, if you yeah. need any more, just let me know. I'll, <laughs> I'll bring them out. I'm coming out for Breeders' Cup. I'll just I'll drop them off at the barn for you. Uh, you're the best, man. I'd, I'd be honored, man. I can't thank. I I really appreciate you having me on, and I uh, love listening to these. And I, I never thought I'd be on it, so I appreciate uh, you letting me on here. Thanks, Doug. We'll talk soon. You got it, brother. Take care. Okay, take care. Ah, that was a lot of fun, Doug. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, wow, it's 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 crazy to me that that uh, to to have two Derby winners, same owners, same jockey. Um, it's it's you know it's a nice little formula I think they found over there with the white and the purple silks. I told you I like those silks. Good silks. Uh, I want to thank Dave, uh, Doug again for taking the time. Want to thank our friends at Guitar Racing for supporting. Uh, the podcast. Um, looking forward to seeing what uh, what the maroon and in gold are going to unleash uh, come the first Friday and Saturday of November for the Breeders' Cup. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, I want to thank them again for their support. 
Uh, thank you guys for listening. Make sure you follow, subscribe, retweet, tweet, like, comment, share, all that good stuff. Um, that's you know that's how it, uh, how it all unfolds over here for us, uh, making sure everybody is involved. I want to thank PTF. I want to thank Drew, and uh, want to thank everyone else at In the Money uh, for putting out uh, content for for all of us to to uh, consume. I, I'm a listener as well. I do a lot of flying, so uh, I like to listen to podcasts. So I want to thank everyone again. We'll check you out next week. I need to know everything. Who and what and where I need everything. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I like it's new what you're telling me. I'm curious, George, I hop in the Porsche, there's five and a horse, I'm ready for war, I'm coming for throats to turn to a ghost, I need to know everything. Now you'd be surprised at the info you get is by letting them talk, so I'm letting them talk.